there was a regular looking light bulbs and I, I, and I was like probably a quarter of a mile away from it. If, if that, it was pretty close. Um, and the light bulbs look like a normal, regular light bulb, but, and they, they had a whole row of these light bulbs that went around the whole unit right above the upper half of this saucer and they rotated. And so it like lit up with red, orange, yellow, green, all these lights, but one bulb at a time lit up and they went around in a circle. And there was a low humming sound this entire time. Mm, we didn't hear it. Like we didn't see it or hear it until it was just right in front of our face. It didn't fly in. It was just like there. And it was pretty big and it was hovering right above the crops. Where it gets weird is it descended. I don't think it went all the way down to the ground because had it done that, we wouldn't have seen it with the cornfield. So it was kind of like just descended right over the corn. And then this sounds nuts, but I will never forget the sound. It made this kind of weird sound. And the whole time, all six of us weren't saying anything. We're all like kind of huddled together watching this thing. It was making sounds like I'm like, what the heck? And we saw sparks flying out of the side. And then we heard that same thing, but there were like breaks in the sound, like something was communicating to something else, but we never saw anything. We never saw anybody come or anything come out of this thing. We did see some weird door like open from the top, go down, but we never saw anything go out or come back in. We just saw this ramp thing come down out of the side of it. The history of our Earth is so different from what we can imagine. Enjoy the journey. The Smithsonian, that if they found out about a large skeleton somewhere, was to go get it. I'm going to assume at least one person is right, because if one person's right, it busts the paradigm. It all goes back to the fallen chair. And the problem with the modern-day church, they have a very truncated view of the supernatural. This backdrop that's just pregnant with all kinds of meaning associated with this Mount Hermon event. And this guy defects from the kingdom. That's a big deal. You've tuned into Blurry Creatures Podcast. Luke and I started this podcast. What, what when? 2020. Yeah. In the year that felt like five years. Yeah. We, we started talking about Bigfoot. And who knew? Here we are, Nathan. Been to Peru and back. Yes. We have and we have a lot of weird stuff that's that's kind of taking place. It's been it's been a wild three years. I think some we should probably do some sort of two hundredth episode breakdown of all the weird stuff we've learned. Okay. Maybe maybe that's coming. We'll tease that a little bit, but We've talked to a bunch of different people from a bunch of different walks of life, learned a lot of things about giants, Bigfoot, pyramids, ancient construction, aliens, UFOs, werewolves, portals. It's it's all there. Yeah, it sounds like a cheesecake factory menu. We got there's a lot of things on it. <laughs> uh, you know, where are we gonna where are we gonna go today? What do you order at Cheesecake Factory, Luke? You know, I'd bring it up because I haven't been in a long time because just the menu itself is overwhelming, but cheesecake obviously at some point you don't go. You're not going to not when you go to Cheesecake Factory. But that is neither here nor there, Nate. It is here. Great to have you all. Great to have you all 
along on this is a journey podcast and a journey show and nate and i are are right there with you as we interview the phds the experts the people that have had the experiences and, and you know we try to look for better answers to some hard questions that are really coming to the forefront especially in the last year mm. a lot of these topics are are becoming some mainstream talk talking points and, and so we're grateful to have you along for the ride and today we've got a fun one yeah we're doing a a collaboration with tina griffin from counterculture mom show we met her actually at the birthright conference here in nashville when when tim had his conference invited us along we actually opened the conference uh, by doing a podcast interview and tina has a really really cool thing that she's got going on in, in her own sphere and even cooler, she has her own experience, and she has a story she's going to share with us today. She has a, a UFO encounter from when she was a child, and so very excited to do do something here finally with our friend Tina, mm. and she is a just a wealth of knowledge, experience, and research. But this particular episode, we're going to talk about her own her own experiences and her own experience as a kid with a UFO. Yeah, she had a Class A UFO sighting, and some people out there just have these experiences that you kind of wonder, like, man. Some people just seem to get the holy grail of, of a paranormal experience and it helps shape their life and what they, how they believe the stories that they hear. Because a lot of people are just naturally, we're skeptical beings. So can't say thank you enough to all the people who believe in this show and sponsor the show. A lot of new members lately. If you want to get access to more Blurry Creatures and some of the perks behind the scenes, hangouts and chat rooms, talk to us a little bit, member chats and discounts on merch and things like that you can go to blurrycreatures.com slash members become a member of the show i know there's a lot of people out there making content these days but luke and i try to put a little extra juice into the memes the merch you know the message and just finding these people and recording it your membership goes a long way to keep us able to spend all these extra hours getting blurry so thank you so much for considering sponsoring the show those three m's i was i was you pulled that one out it was it was like a beats, bears, blurry creatures. Absolutely, we're grateful to all the people who support and who've been along for this ride. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing the show with your friends and your family. And let's get Tina on the show. This is gonna be a fun one. Yep, we're going back to Wisconsin. What goes on up there? About to find out. Well, yeah, we, we appreciate you coming on Blurry Creatures. We, uh, we've, been, we've been on this trail for a long time, a little over three years we've been doing this podcast, and um, we talk a lot about you know, the blurry creatures in our world. So welcome, Tina Griffin, to the, to the podcast. You host your own show, The uh, Countercultural yes. Mom uh, sh- Show, and you're ex-Hollywood actress, speaker, and you're doing all the things that we're doing in probably some different spaces, but we have some crossover and Amy from Eyes on the Right texted me. She's like, you got to bring Tina on. She had her and six of her friends had this wild UFO encounter in their backyard. So we're excited to break this down. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you for um, having me. I'm very excited. We appreciate it. We, we, we kick off our show. We ask everyone, what are your thoughts on Bigfoot? Just to get, get weird and, and get blurry. As this we is say. the icebreaker. This is like when you, you know, 
when you're in elementary school and they ask you what's your What's your favorite color? And, oh my you know, gosh. Do you have any pets? For us, it's like, what, what do you think? What are your thoughts on Bigfoot? And to be fair, Nate, there have been a few guests that said they don't have any thoughts. So you can yeah. always default to that, although it's a really uninspiring and, and, and boring answer to a, a very fun a very fun question. Because of you guys and catching the shows I've caught here over the last three years and meeting you both face-to-face to know that you guys are normal people and not Bigfoot yourselves over at uh, Tim Alberino's <laughs> Birthright Conference, Yeah, you made me think about questions that I typically didn't even think about asking, and uh, that's very rare. So you get the award for that because I have researched so many topics over the years. But, uh, you know, there's so many rabbit holes you can go down. And I'm like, I'm already having a little bit of a problem sleeping at night with uh, the stuff from Hollywood that I heard about and seen some horrific stuff over the years. I just never really researched it until I heard about you two. I think it could be Nephilim geared. And Nate, you and I were talking about that earlier today. I just I'm not quite sure yet how to answer that question. Hopefully by the end of this chaotic episode with what I endured, you guys can uh, give me more of a clear picture on uh, what I saw, and then maybe I can put the puzzle together even better. No, I like it. If, if Bigfoot was a car, there's definitely some Nephilim wheels in there somewhere. There's sure. so much that we just don't know. I'm going to be holding up the line in heaven someday when I see the Lord. <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of questions. Got a lot of questions. I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be so mind blowing when or if and if the veil comes down before then, even more mind blowing here on Earth if we see some of this stuff walking around. So who knows? And what's you know coming. what? There's a lot more stuff that that are walking around and becoming more bold. I think as the days grow dark and Christ's return draws even more near, I think He's giving everybody a chance to pick a side. And there's a lot of things that have been hidden forever, but. I tend to look at it this way, being in Hollywood for a decade and the sets I had a chance to work on, the insight that I had a chance to gather, if the media is laughing about something and trying to cover it up or make it look cartoony, it's probably real. Yeah. And so with Bigfoot on what I heard about over the years, with the way pop culture and any kind of certain series might share it by saying it's a hoax or have a guy run with some kind of weird outfit on in the backyard late at night, then chances are it's probably real. <laughs> yeah. I it's know. nuts. The, the, the stories are wild. And, and I think that's where our show started. And we, we were trying to figure out what it was and quickly we got into the Nephilim giants, alternate history, aliens and stuff. So the alien thing is kind of newer on our show. I think we've been talking about it. You know, Tim Alberino kind of baptized into this in that whole, whole space. So take us back to, uh, to what you saw and what you encountered, and then we can try to do our best to corroborate what we've heard with what you've experienced and give you some better answers. But it's really sounds like you had a fascinating encounter. We're, we're excited yeah, to hear it. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. And then the following years, which I can tell you a couple of other things that happened while I was in LA, just added to what we saw as kids. So I don't think it was an accident, mm. but I thought it was actually on my mom's birthday, August 2nd, 1988. And it was actually the night before it was a, I believe a Sunday night and uh sun was just setting. And there were six of us kids uh, wrecking havoc, acting nuts and riding our bikes around my parents' farm in Pulaski, Wisconsin. And that's about 20 minutes West of green Bay. I was 11 years old. And I remember that summer, uh, my mom invited some friends over from church. And so their three kids and myself and my two younger brothers were just racing bikes in the backyard. Sun was just setting. The adults, of course, are not near where this UFO experience happened, which didn't make me happy because they were going to think we're nuts afterwards. But they were on the back deck behind the house. We were 
a good couple hundred feet away behind the barn. Cornfields are pretty tall at that point. We're talking, you know, August, almost harvest time, not quite. And as the sun setting, still bright enough outside, I don't remember which one of us kids screamed, but we all went to a screeching halt when someone yelled, what in the heck is that? And there were uh, two of us that were the oldest, 11, 12 years old, right in there. And then two 10-year-olds and like two nine-year-olds. We were all really close in age. And I got off my bike seat and kind of like leaned forward because I was both panic attack feeling and I couldn't move. But I didn't want to move at the same time. And I did not want to go closer and I didn't want to bike, you know, run from it. I just was, honestly, I was just kind of paralyzed. And this silver looking saucer ordeal. And I have to put a preface in here by saying I grew up at this time watching a ton of rescue 911 shows, unsolved mysteries, cops. I was just into that FBI research already as a kid. And so I'm like thinking in my brain, oh my gosh, like the cows that were taken in Texas, this could be real. Cause I saw the same type of shape that day. It was a regular looking silver saucer. It had small windows on, if you cut the thing in half, the top half had small windows that were more narrow at the top and then got wider on the bottom. There was a regular looking light bulbs. And I, I, and I was like probably a quarter of a mile away from it. If, if that it was pretty close. Um, and the light bulbs look like a normal, regular light bulb. But and they they had a whole row of these light bulbs that went around the whole unit right above the upper half of this saucer and they rotated. And so it like lit up with red, orange, yellow, green, all these lights, but one bulb at a time lit up and they went around a circle. And there was a low humming sound this entire time. Mm, we didn't hear it like we didn't see it or hear it until it was just right in front of our face. It didn't fly in. It was just like there and it was pretty big and it was hovering right above the crops. Where it gets weird is it descended. I don't think it went all the way down to the ground because had it done that, we wouldn't have seen it with the cornfield. So it was kind of like just descended right over the corn. And then th this sounds nuts, but I will never forget the sound. It made this kind of weird sound. And the whole time, all six of us weren't saying anything. We're all like kind of huddled together watching this thing. It was making sounds like. <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? And we saw sparks flying out of the side. Never saw a being, but sparks flying around the side. Like it brought back, like, I just thought that my dad, when he would weld in the shop on the farm, it was that type of sparks flying from it. And then we saw fireworks coming out of the side, like normal, regular looking fireworks, but they were huge because I remember thinking my brain, it's not, it's not 4th of July. Like I thought it was like a fireworks show, but it wasn't 4th of July. This was like a month later. So that happened. We heard that weird, um, weird sound, like cutting through metal type of deal, but it was a weird sound. It wasn't normal. Cause I, I was in my dad's shop for years. It wasn't like a normal sound. And then we heard that same thing, but there were like breaks in the sound, like something was communicating to something else, but we never saw anything. We never saw anybody come or anything come out of this thing. We did see some weird door like open from the top, go down, but we never saw anything go out or come back in. We just saw this ramp thing come down out of the side of it. Now, if something did come out and go in, it, it could have been that they were short and just were hidden by the corn and came back up, but some the door came down. This probably went on for five minutes. Fireworks, the weird screeching noise, 
I can't remember if there was a beam coming out of the bottom or not. I just remember it looked lit up from the inside through those windows, like a, a yellowish hue and then the rotating lights. And it, it was just weird. It was very weird. And it was pretty big. Like I could see it in detail where what got weird is after that, like came up above the uh, cornfields again to where we first saw it. It all of a sudden just disappeared. It didn't fly away. It just was gone. After that happened, we were screaming because we're still like, my heart was beating out of my chest at this point, just screaming. And I was yelling for my mom and dad. I was hoping they would see something. We didn't even, we couldn't even move when this thing was going on. Cause my first thought is that is not of this world. That is not, it looked like a UFO from what I saw watching these different alien shows. Mm -hmm. And so when that happened, I was screaming, running, uh, racing back on my bike around the, the barn, going over this ramp by our silos, screeching halt. My parents are like freaking out, running around. What happened? They thought, you know, something happened to one of us kids. And we all started screaming at the same time that we saw this, you know, thing in the air. It's a UFO. And my, my mom, like normal with other weird stuff that's happened to me in my life, even as a kid, I'd be like, kind of write it off. Like, you know, you guys saw an aircraft It's probably some government thing. I'm like, no. And they, she didn't really believe me at first. So I told her, why don't you divide all six of us kids up in different rooms? We, we won't talk to mm. each other at all. Like, cause we didn't even have a chance to say this. We're going to tell them and try to freak them out and scare them out and lie about something. There wasn't a lie, about. we're, we're freaking out. Cause we knew something happened. We all went into different rooms. She gave us a piece of paper. We all do the exact same thing. Exact same thing. I mean, might, some of the diagrams were a little bit smaller, but the same kind of details, this craft, all that. And we took it one step further, which I had like this FBI research thing, like just my, I, I would have been an FBI agent if I didn't go to LA and do the acting thing and all that, because I'm always like trying to research, dig into the, you know, put the puzzles together. I, I told Tara, my best friend who was over that night, we're the two oldest in our families. I'm like, let's call a local radio station to just see, or the local TV station in Green Bay and see if they got any reports. Cause we know what we saw. There had to be more people. But I called at 11 years old. My mom looked up the phone number. I called and I said, hey, we just saw this UFO, da, 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 da. And then Tara's on the line with me. We're both like yelling into the phone. This is what it looked like. And the woman near the line before I can even finish her story said, you're the 66th caller that called in about your sighting. Wow. So we knew we were up to with something. I don't know if you guys want to ask any questions or a little bit more to the story, but that was what we saw that night. So how far are you away from, from it? So it's in your backyard, basically. It's right over one of our cornfields so we have the barn uh, like two silos in the back one silo in the front and we were right between the barn and that cornfield and it was hovering over the back part of that cornfield so literally a quarter of a mile so you gotta you're it's pretty, it's pretty close. close and what year is this this was 1988 and here's what's crazy i host this program called the counterculture mom show and we did ufo alien abduction about a year ago I don't remember looking up the, what is this called here? National UFO Reporting Center Sighting Report, where people can report what they saw. I went back and sure enough, August 1st, 1988 at 1915, which is what? 7.15 p.m. I'm just going to have a heart attack. It just gives me chills every time I see this. It's at 6.54 p.m. Sorry, 6.54 p.m. This was reported that at 1915, that's 7.15 p.m., this mom and her son in Howard, Wisconsin, 10 miles away from me, on August 1st, 1988, saw this oval shape for a duration of two minutes. There were lights on the object. The object changed color. I haven't read this in a while. I just got chills. That is the same object that we saw. And I can read you really quick what she saw. It's two sentences. My son and I were coming from Swamico, Wisconsin. That's exactly where we live. 
and traveling down Velp Avenue, traveling south. As we turned off from our road, my son was tying his tennis shoes and he looked up and said, Mom, look up. At that time, I looked up and we both said it was a flying saucer or a UFO. My son got excited. I told him to not say anything as we were going to his orientation for ninth grade. (laughs) I told him (laughs) no one would believe us. After arriving orientation, my son went off. And a while later, his friends came up and asked me if it was true. That night afterwards, I called the airport to see if they had any airplanes traveling at direction. It was not an airplane. And I mentioned uh, I mentioned what happened. And they said, nope. The moment we say it and realize that we were what we were looking at with a blink of an eye, it disappeared in midair. That's exactly this. They literally like I have chills right now. I have chills. That is the same object. Wow. It was right when the sun was setting at 7.15 p.m. Swamico. Swamico, like middle of nowhere. Here is the last little bit. I, I lived in Swamico in 05. I know Stop exactly it. where that is. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, 05. Swamico, Wisconsin, right there in Brown County. Yeah, it was right there. So to wrap up that little story, my parents thought it was nuts. We all drew these diagrams, and I was getting mad because I had no proof. You know, I and I, I hate not being believed, but I now had a whole opening on the world's not what you think it is, and there's a bunch of cover-up. Well, lo Mm. and behold, God answered my prayer. We need some proof. 15 minutes later, we're back out in the back deck having dinner, yada, yada, digging into our burgers. And I'm looking up and my, my, everybody, even the adults at this point are like, what the heck is going on? If it wasn't 17, it was 15 black army helicopters that we never see in our area circling our farm. And to this day, I wish for at least an hour. At this day, I wish I would have gone over to where that beast landed, came down, and seen if I would have seen a crop circle or something. That's what makes me mm. like, I'm like, what was I thinking? For at least a year later, I can't tell you how many nights I would go outside hoping I would see it again and then not hoping. Like, I really wanted to, mm. not that I wanted to go in mm. it this time around, but uh, it was wild. And then yeah. I have other stuff I can share about, even crazier stuff when I lived in LA. But yeah, that's that was my first encounter. Well. I think that that feeling is is pretty typical. And a lot of people, guy, a lot of guys who will see Bigfoot and then they devote the rest of their life to him. They almost go crazy because they're just like out searching for that experience again. And it's you know it's, it's it's a one in a million experience, probably even higher than that. You know to to see something like this. But then you know they're just trying to recreate that moment. But the the fact that you had all your friends with you is such a blessing because most people are alone and they don't remember for for years. So you. You didn't block this out of your mind. Are you, are you, do you, do your friends, do you sit down and talk about oh, it? Yeah. It, it bonded us in a way that I'm still very good friends with the other family with their three kids. I mean, Tara and I grew up together. She's my closest friend in Green Bay. And weird stuff always happens when we're together. So I, I don't know what that all is, but uh, we went to the Packer <laughs> games together and I'm, I'm watching football. She's getting guys' phone numbers. I'm like, Tara, come on. You're not getting, you're not ready to get married at 16. Let's, let's watch this touchdown right here. But, it opened my eyes massive. There was one more, there's like 10 stories I could tell you. There's one more story I want to tell you to see if you can add, if you had any guests on that this thing happened to them or if they saw something. I was I wanted to share something that happened when I lived in LA. Yeah. I have a couple of questions about the UFO yes. thing though before. Yeah, yeah. When you talked about like being able, being f- sort of frozen in place, was that is that a fear response you think? Or do you actually feel like you were kind of stuck? Like there, The reason I asked this is there are, a lot of accounts in ufology and UFO encounters where people feel like they sort of get stuck in place or, or held in somewhere, or they get sort of pulled against almost against their will. This is not your case, but against their will, they're like they're pulled to the craft. And that really famous UFO encounter, Barney and Betty Hill in the '60s, was that they felt like they were pulled out. They, they had they were compelled. They were like pulled out of their car, and then they. But there's this idea that sometimes encounters people get 
it's a controlled may not be the right word, but in some ways it is, it is that like you are either stuck in place or you're forced beyond maybe against your, your physiology and your will to, to move places. So was that the case where you guys just sort of like, was it a, a fear response? Like you, you know, you got concrete shoes on. I want to say that we couldn't move. I'm trying to remember if I tried to move, but I just remember as soon as I got off my bike seat, I could not move. So I don't know if I, like, I, no matter, like, I, I, I don't even remember breathing for those five minutes. I was just like paralyzed is the best way to explain uh-huh. it. After it took off, that's when the fear hit me. I'm like, what the heck just, ha-? I was like a fear, excitement, freaking out type of deal. Like, what did we just see? We know that we know we all saw it. You know, is it going to come back? Is it going to fly over the head and suck one of us up? I mean, at that point, I've seen a bunch of UFO type shows where, you know, people didn't do too well if they got sucked up in there. So my whole thing was let's be under radar, but I could not move when I was, when we were on our bikes. How big do you think the craft was in like comparison to something else you've seen? Trying to think feet wise. It's like the size of a bus. No, bigger than a bus. Probably two buses, two school buses mm. length. That's a big shit. I mean, if I was cl- right up next to it, that's probably how big it would have been. Definitely bigger than just one school bus because that's kind of what it looked like from our distance. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, and the lights, that's interesting. Are you saying the lights were rotating or the lights were just blinking in, in sequence? No, it was like rotating. So like it's like if you have a string of Christmas lights, but they're the normal regular round bulbs from like back in the day, it would be like oh, one yeah. bulb that would light up at a time that went around a circle pretty fast. It was like, like just keep going around a circle all. Like a carnival. It's like a carnival ride. And that's almost. why like I was you thinking. These, I had to go through. The Gravitron. Yeah, yeah that goes, exactly. Yeah. But you could tell it was not from anything I had ever seen before. Yeah. I was going to say, it's interesting. Have you ever, are you familiar with the aerial incident at all in Zimbabwe? Because when you were speaking, it kind of reminds me of this, except for the fact they had these things, something got out of the craft. But this is where there was a, a school where a UFO landed in 1994 outside of a school in Zimbabwe, the aerial school. And 62 students saw a UFO and saw things get out of it. And what they did is they separated all these kids and had them draw it. Oh my to make sure gosh. that they weren't all 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 like you know making it up, and they wrote all the same thing. I remember seeing a short little video clip years ago on that because I was that's all I researched for like a decade yeah. was that all the time to see if I could piece together what in the world we saw. It sounds very similar in the sense that you there's a bunch of kids, and then you have you get separated and you smartly you all draw the same thing. It's, it's sort of like when you have <laughs> people implicated in a crime and you separate them so that they can't. They can't collude on a story, yep. right? That's fa- it's fascinating. You know? Obviously, nothing came out of the craft other than fireworks, which is also very, <laughs> yeah, very fascinating. That's what I was going to ask the uh, the actual door coming down. Can you explain, like, in detail, like I, it, where, what part of the ship did it come down, and did it did it go into the corn? Yeah, yeah, it came down into the corn, but it wasn't even like a normal door. It looked like a ramp. Like it looked like. It looked like something cut the side of it out and then it just flapped forward into the corn. And it happened really quick. Mm. Like, I just remember thinking, did I just see like something flap down into the corn? Like, is something going to come out of there? Like, that's kind of like when I got more like panic attack. Is it going to, does it run faster than I do? Is it going to run through the corn and grab us? Like those thoughts were all going through my brain, but it was a, a really quick, like a flap coming down into the corn, not like a normal door that like I had a hinge and opened up sideways. And it was on the left-hand side of the craft, same spot when the, when the fireworks came out and we heard that weird, whatever, um, sparks like yellowish white sparks when it was, it must've been cutting through the metal is all I can assume. 
And then we saw the fireworks. Then we saw that ramp. And then there was a ton more fireworks and the ramp. You couldn't see once it came down. It was like in the corn. Huh. Any, any like crop circle stuff in the area that you heard about? No. I, I mean, if, if there was, I didn't see it. That's the one thing had I been older. I don't want to even say older. I just wish I would have thought about it. Like, I wish I would have thought about it. Weeks later, I did. I'm like, why didn't I go there and look to see if there was a, a ring or, you mm. know, some kind of crop mm -hmm. evidence? Because all the all the farmers had crops, the corn that was in that area. It's all, we had, we had 350 acres of soybean and corn in that whole area where it landed or hovered. I don't think it ever landed on the ground. I think it. I think it hovered from how much of that craft we could see it just came up here when we first saw it like this or appeared right here and then it like hovered down lower kind of right above the corn just the very bottom of it was covered by the corn where i couldn't see it decent it's interesting because uh, we've been emailing a couple that's been doing crop circles research for the last 30 years and they're coming on next week and it's been a long time so it's funny how these these episodes kind of string together and here you have this UFO hovering over the corn and the next week we'll, we'll probably figure out what what are crop circles how does that make sense but it you know, if you research that topic, they do leave these weird designs that are not, some of them are hoaxed, but some of them are so meticulous that, you know, and then it just reminds me of signs when you see those little alien yeah. figures running through the corn. And that's what I- <laughs> It's like freaks, freaks you, know, you out. I didn't know up until that point much about what aliens look like. I mean, on my shirt, this is what we're always told, you know, little green men, oh, yeah. but are they yeah. really? I was going to yeah. tell you a really quick, insane thing that happened to me in LA that is alien related. Yeah. And then you yeah. tell me what in the heck this this is. I worked for a woman, a casting director at Universal Studios when I first moved to LA while I was going for film school at Cal State Los Angeles. And long story short, through that, I met a bunch of people that got me signed up with different agents. I did film and TV, runway type stuff, Miss America pageant, all that jazz. And the mix of all that, I was hired with a group of my friends to work for the after party of the Taken series for Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. And I was fascinated because I'm like, oh my gosh, people from around the world are going to be coming in for the supposed crash site memorabilia. They brought a bunch of stuff in, had it all in like clear cases right there at Universal Studios. And people would come in and we would be like running this mock museum to pump up the Taken series. I think it was like back in 2004, 2003, whenever Taken series came out, which I already had been doing research on Steven Spielberg and other top elites in Hollywood and how it's connected with the government and what they're all, you know, trying to brainwash us with. And so my research went skyrocket after the alien thing. And a couple of years later, before I moved to Hollywood, that's why I moved to Hollywood. So I'm at this event and a bunch of people are coming through the line, sharing their UFO stories. A lot of people were abducted and I shared mine, but I met this one guy named Denton and I knew God brought him in my life that we had to talk. We were really good friends, kept in touch. He was probably in his seventies when we first met and I uh, talked with him for a good 15 years and he passed away about five to seven years ago. And he would say today, share it. So when I'm probably not gonna remember all the details, but it was like, it's in my file cabinet in my brain when he told me all this, he was in downtown LA and he saw a UFO decades before this, like 20, 30 years before this, it was late at night, downtown LA and this blue beam came out of it. And I, I'm just going to give you the, the bullet points. There's a lot more to the story. This blue beam came out of it, struck his body. He was paralyzed, didn't get sucked up into the craft, but his blood changed. It changed his blood. 
And I wish I could remember what his blood changed to, but there was only two on the globe that had that blood, both of which had that experience being hit by this blue laser beam coming out of a UFO. So I was like, well, that's a weird story. Well, it gets crazier. His brother worked for NASA. And um, one day, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm even sharing this. Like, I hope, whatever. Give it to us. Give it to us. Give us the goods. Give us the goods, There's a target on my head anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So one day, um, (laughs) his brother, he was dying to go where his brother was working, which was underground. I don't want to say Area 51. I I think it was, but it was an underground, massive, massive, uh, not just a tunnel system, but like a lab. Yeah, like a base underground. Like a base? Yes. And it was in, uh, that's what got me into major books about the tunnels that connect all the major cities in the US. It's a whole other conversation, but it absolutely exists. So he was dying because his brother would tell him, I can't take you down there. It, I, I'll, I'll get I'll get killed. Like, I can't bring you down there. Security purposes and all that. We have special badges. But he would tell him over the years what it's about. Well, one day, his brother calls him out of blue. He goes, grab a camera, get over here. And so he drove out to the desert. I want to say it's Arizona, but it's somewhere Arizona, California, Utah, like all in there. And said, I can get you under uh, underground because my coworker is sick. And I'm going to give you his badge. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you serious? And I knew the guy wasn't lying because I knew what I saw. Like Denton had no reason to be lying about any of this. Took his big hunk of camera down. This is like, we're talking 20, 30 years ago because it was at least 10 years prior to him and I meeting. Probably literally 40 years ago now. And he took this big hunk of camera down and got all this footage. But what he saw, and there's like, it's like a 10 hour story what I could tell you. But the gist of what he saw is he goes, I went so far underground. He goes, it was like an elevator system that went way underground. He goes, it was sand. You lifted a flap. You went way underground. Then when he goes, when I got underground, my brother and I were, we rode in this train car cart on tracks. And he goes, Tina, it was like two or three football stadium size, how big the, the land was underneath, like this big base. And the two things I will never forget is number one, he stops off at this one spot where they had three beings. He said they were absolutely not human. They had one guy was taller and then like six, three, six, four, like a normal size. Well, even a little bigger than that. I remember it was, he said it was like six, six and a half feet tall, pasty white skin. He said they looked a lot like humans, but you could easily tell that they weren't pasty white skin, almost translucent. And he had dark hair, really thin. And then two women were there. I say women, but there weren't, they weren't human really white, pasty, translucent looking skin, really thin and bony. One woman had long red hair. One woman had short black hair. And he said they all were preserved. They weren't alive. At least they didn't move around. They were all preserved in this weird, clearish looking bubbly liquid, like a test tube is all I could put in my brain when he was explaining this to me to try to put a visual to what he was saying. And they were in these really big tubes that were being preserved by the government. The government is fully aware of what's going on. His brother worked for NASA. I don't trust NASA at all. I don't know where you guys stand on NASA. But the whole Nazi connection with that is another whole t- show. But brother was diehard believer, Christian. And so he saw these three beings. They would do experiments and stuff on them. He didn't explain what kind of experiments. He just said, I, I saw the three beings in there. And they looked a lot like us, but they weren't. More pointed ears, the, the skin really thin lips. Um, I remember him saying that. I really haven't thought about this in a while. This is weird. And then with the three beings, he got this all on camera Mm. with his brother. And he said at the same time, he's kind of panicked to get footage because there was people that there's more than just his brother that worked down there at different stations. He said near that station, and this was, 
I don't want to say it was Roswell, but I worked on Roswell, that set. So that also enamored me because what Roswell talked about, I think a lot of this stuff actually was going on at the time. There's a lot of Hollywood crap, like COVID, for example. They were talking about this in 2004 in soap operas, six feet apart, big virus. We got a mask up. I'm like, really? And all of a sudden it's 20 years later and they're doing what they had talked about. So I always study film ahead of time saying, well, they're already kind of telling us what's going to happen. Simpsons, like all that. Mm. So- with this, with that oh, yeah. said, he said right across that aisle was another whole station of crash site leftover stuff where there was a, they finally got through it, but it was a, he described a saucer. It looked somewhat like mine, but a little bit smaller where it took the government forever to figure out how to saw through this metal. If it was even metal, he said it was shiny silver, but he goes, they could not figure out. Finally, they, they figured out how to saw through this metal, whatever it was, because it was not of this world, at least what he was saying. His brother was explaining it to him. And he said, there was one chair in the very middle of this craft. There was also windows in it. One chair, really small. He goes like a toddler. That's how small it was. Like a toddler would sit in it, maybe like a five to 10 year old max. But he said, the craziest thing, Tina was, there was a pole that came up from that chair with a book on it, small little platform with a book on it. And he said, when you picked up the book, you'd see writing like hieroglyphic black letters. He said, he didn't understand what the language was, but he said there was writing on it. And he said, when you flip the page, the writing on the previous page was gone and new writing would appear right in front of his face on that page. It was clear, flip the page. All of a sudden there's writing. Flip another page, same thing. The previous page disappeared, new writing in front of his face. New writing would appear right in front of his face. New writing would appear right in front of his face. This guy loved the Lord. I absolutely believe every, every word he said. I started listening to some of Scott Mitchell and his guests recently and what other people, this woman, Karen, that, that I just heard a program on her. When she's talking about the railroad cars underground, I almost had chills, man. I'm like, that's the same thing that Denton told me. I will never forget this stuff. He, he gets his evidence and puts it in the vault in Sacramento. And he said, I don't know who, he didn't give me like names. And I don't think he knew, but somehow the word got out. They found out that Denton was under, you know, that went underground with his brother. They confiscated all the stuff from that vault. He has, he had a couple pictures that he kept with him, but a bunch of pictures, his VHS tapes of a lot of the stuff that he had underground, all was taken by the government that knew he had a, like demanded that he get the stuff in the vault and they stripped it. But he did show me some pictures of the craft that he saw that he had still that he printed mm. like screenshots of the screenshots of the actual footage. I, I believe it happened. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty in line with a lot of things we've heard. I haven't heard about the book yet, but it would make sense. But I have, we have heard about the small chairs and the small control systems that they have in these that are, it's like, it's like hobbits or little grays or, or flying these things around. So it would make a lot of sense. What, what do you think of the blood thing was? Why, what, what do you ever figure out about his blood type? I have no idea what the, towards the end of his life, what happened was he had cancer, massive cancer, and they couldn't really do anything for him because they didn't have, they couldn't even read his blood. He said, there's only two of you that have this type of blood. It's not a normal blood. 
I wish I would. I don't know if I wrote that down in my journal or not. I wrote a lot of stuff and I lived in LA in my journal, but they just said, there's only two of you right now walking on the planet, same situation with the blue beam deal and your blood. We can't get blood to you from another person and we can't use your blood anywhere else. And he didn't even mm. know that the blood was changed by that, but he told him what happened to him because, oh, that is why I'm sorry. I'm like remembering bits and pieces has been forever. He said when the beam hit him, his veins in his arm, like he looked at his body and his veins like lit up blue. They lit up blue. That is, that is uh, why he, I'm like remembering chunks because this is literally almost 30 years ago now. Mm -hmm. I'm remembering chunks of what he said to me, but he knew something happened in his body that night, but it wasn't until years later when he had this health issue where they're like, we can't do anything for you because your blood literally is not of this world. And it goes, well, I know what happened to me. This is what happened. They're like, well, same story from the other guy who also had the same type of blood. It's weird. I mean, and Tina, we've heard a lot of, we, we were on a David Politis. He talked about, you know, cattle, cattle mutilations and they suck these things dry. And he said that there's a lot of UFO stories where he, he told us a, a story on his documentary that a bunch of construction workers saw this UFO pick up an elk and like basically same thing, right? It, it had like a tractor beam, it hit the elk and it like, it was moving and the elk was moving. So it like drew it up into the craft. It reminds me of the Travis Walton story where he's kind of sucked up into the craft. Remember that one. You know, you got the history of the Battle of Los Angeles and uh, all the UFO stuff in, in L.A. And the Taken series by Spielberg is really wild. I've watched it. It is it is not like a normal Hollywood thing where you're like trying to entertain people. It's like, what is this series? Are they trying? Yep. It is bizarre. And I think these people obviously know so much more than we know and they're just conditioning us. I mean, I have my theory is when the rapture happens, which I honestly believe will be happening in our lifetime. In fact, I think Feast of Trumpets in the next upcoming years, and I talk about a lot in my, our show, like every quarter we're doing an end time prophecy series. We, we're releasing one next week. Scott Mitchell was on talking about the end times. And I had Charles Dyer on who's been to Israel over 40 times and we're just living in it. So I think the whole alien thing with so many people talk about the government supposedly releasing tapes from 40, 50 years ago and all the footage and the pilots talking about all their stories. I think a lot of it is to warm up the masses to then have an explanation for when the rapture happens, mm. that it's, you know, alien mm. abduction instead of, no, it's really what Jesus said was going to happen in the end times. And now you're, you guys are facing seven years of hell on earth, basically. But, you know, people ask, do you think these aliens are demon beings? I'm not sure. I don't know if it's Nephilim. I'm not sure if it's alien related. I know that the government knows about it. I believe that there's a lot of corrupt people that are demonically influenced, even possessed, because I talk about demon possessed celebrities for 25 years, that these people could be um, people in government, the elites, Council on Foreign Relations, you got New World Order, all these Luciferians that are running the globe at the moment. I really believe they are working with, I don't know if it's demonic entities, Nephilim. I don't know what your take is on it. I have a big question mark there yet. Well, I think what Luke and I have talked a lot about on this show is that like, like you said, you're describing light bulbs, right? Like we don't hear about stories about demons in the old Testament or the new Testament, you know, making light bulbs and building stuff that you can't even saw through. So, you know, I, I make an argument a lot on the show of like, you know, they wouldn't need Ouija boards and 14 and 15 year old kids playing with it to try to get into a body if they can design this craft and fly around the world. I mean, it's, yes. you know what I mean? It's like a demon. A demon is a specific. It feels more like a specific thing. I'm not saying these things aren't demonic. They sound demonic, right? They're they're doing genetic experiments. They but they they have a technology that that we we find and we pick up and 
you're seeing it and you saw it close hand. So do you feel, do you feel like they were dropping something off in your cornfield and, or, or, you know, it was, or maybe God allowed you to see this early on in your life to kind of help you guide you through the rest of your Hollywood career. I never thought about them dropping something off in the cornfield. Uh, I kind of saw it as them possibly surveying the land to come back and take what they like kind of checking out what can we grab from this area? I mean, our cows were within like a hmm. hundred feet away. So I was okay. thinking, am I going to see something get to, you know, are they, did they grab something for dinner? I mean, I just wasn't sure exactly yeah. what they were doing, but I absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt, just with the stuff. And I mean, I could give you 30 different weird UFO like things that have happened to me as a kid and through my early teens that I absolutely 110% believe that God showed me. So when I'm doing the show today on the topics we're doing, I wouldn't think people are nuts. And at some point I can relate to something from what the guests are talking to me about. And I, it would help me. I can even see how it's helped me know what to ask when I have people on talking about it. Yeah, It's just been nuts. And there's a lot of ties with the government, the corrupt government and Hollywood that just even going to the parties I was at and Playboy Mansion fully clothed doing research over the years, it, it's all tied together for mass deception. One thing I know is, Luke, I don't think you could get in one of these things and fly it around. <laughs> you probably wouldn't fit. I like to make them for big people. <laughs> yeah. And Denton did say he kind of had to crouch in because it was hard getting around with his camera gear into some of this junk that he was in. So bizarre. It's a it's a it's a it's a short king game. They're all short. They're all short guys. <laughs> I I think it's fascinating though the underground stuff. I, I, we've talked a bit, you know, maybe in platitudes about some of that. You know, there's the Phil Schneider story, the the real famous one about this gun battle or with lasers and whatnot and underground base with aliens. And he got cancer too. He got cancer. So. Yeah, he got cancer from that. And then you have all the the Dulce New Mexico stuff, which is also very interesting, right? There's an, apparently a allegedly the the conspiracy theory is there's a an alien a joint human alien base depends where you read and what you read about under there but we've talked to a few a few folks ab- about these and these absolutely exist there are deep underground spaces in the united states they tell us about some of them right they've got them as safe places for the president and these things are connected there's places that are connected to the white house we know these are real because or at least that they appear to be real because we've been told these things right these aren't secrets and then so the idea these things exist in other places that we don't know about is is not far-fetched at all in fact it's 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 fact it's it's these things they have train systems and and so who knows what's under the ground i think sometimes we focus so much on what's in the sky that we forget there's so much weird stuff underneath the earth underneath our feet that we don't even really know about and i, I love your story it, it, it is reminiscent of science to me like thinking of me and it's an 80s version right it's 88 you have this cornfield and this you know this experience you know i think i do think everything happens for a reason so you know, God is God's redeeming that in your in your work, having had this experience and be able to speak about Here's it. Here's what's nuts. I just I, I it's did a, a series yeah. recently that caused me to dig a little bit deeper about the tunnels, underground tunnels. And if you look at the map of where they made these tunnels in the US, there's actually a concentrated spot in Wisconsin right around the Green Bay area, all the way up through through Shano, like going up Highway 29 for a good 30 minutes. And what what I just remembered as well is my youngest brother Clint. He saw this craft and about three or four years afterwards, he called me freaking out. At that point, I think I just moved to LA and he's like, uh, Tina, you're never going to guess. I saw a second UFO right above our woods. Wow. And it was a different one. It had like three lights and they all kind of moved together, but it was three big lights. Like they were red, then it all changed to white. And it, it was just the lights though, probably the corner of a triangular looking unit. And all he saw were the lights because it was a lot later at night. But 
I've met Green Bay gamblers, the hockey players. I would do reporting for Green Bay sports when I before I moved to L.A. I had a couple hockey players tell me some stories of what they saw. One guy in North Dakota, Calvin Parker. I don't know if you ever interviewed him. He has cancer today, and I hope the guy's still alive. I interviewed him a year and a half ago. Him and his co-worker were abducted. It's in Mississippi, to not Tegucigalpa. To, what is that weird? Did you ever hear about this guy's story? He was fishing with his co-worker. He was 19 when it happened, and he saw this craft above the water, and he was then it landed on the shore, and these alien beings, literally, these whatever bodies, against his will, picked him up, hauled him into the craft, and they did experiments on him. And he talked about that in our program, and it was nuts. You guys got to get him on the program. I hope and pray he's still alive, mm. but he got cancer. And he said this one female being like stuck her long looking finger up his nose and literally bl blood was draining. He was wearing a white t-shirt, freaked him out, paralyzed. They gave him some drugs to also keep him paralyzed and on this glass table that was inside the craft. And there was at least 50, 60 people, if not more, that saw what in the sky that night and several saw the two guys get hauled into that ship. It's nuts. Yeah. It's just uh, nuts. What's the guy's name? What's Calvin the guy's name again? Parker. I'll give you his info. Calvin Parker. It's okay. freaky. That's, fa that's fascinating. Well, that, I mean, well, that part of the country yeah. too, like we've talked a lot about it in ancient history, right? Um, it seems as though that's kind of, that was sort of the landing point for the the mound builders, I think, because the Ohio Valley, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. We brought on Roger, who had a serpent mound in his in his on his farm up there, and he had all these weird creatures coming out of out of the woodworks around this serpent mound that he discovered oh gosh, on his farm. Stop. So you have you have these ancient places yeah i mean you had literal giants being dug up by farmers in that area you know fritz zimmerman documented over 750 mounds up there which are not you know his whole thing is they're not native american these predate the native americans they're here long before you find canaanite artifacts from these it's 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 way old and you wonder if some of these places are portals or they came here for a reason and they knew what they were doing there and they built these little mini pyramids all over the place and if there's not some sort of access still to these points because i mean this week's episode we interviewed a guy that saw the hat man and up in uh, Wisconsin too, so we got a Wisconsin theme going on right now on our <laughs> Tell show. Tell you what, it's not just cheese right. up there with us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. No, you got way up in the North Woods. You get up oh, in the geez. in the in the Upers, You know, I really think it's important because I, I think one of the things we run into a lot on our show, Tina, is it's like it reminds me of the Field of Dreams. You know, you've got this guy that just knows something's up, and then he sees these beings, and he's trying his hardest. He's like on a mission. This stuff is real. I've got to do this thing. And I think people like us who have these podcasts, we have friends who tell us these stories, we get into this mindset of we're, we see the world is so skeptical. Even Christians, Christians are some of the most skeptical. And, you, and you're, you're trying your hardest to pour your life into your work to get people to realize this stuff is real. Real. And then there's that moment where Ray, his, uh, Ray's buddies, like, you know, they're going to foreclose on you. And then he sees, he sees one of the entities come across the grass and then he's like, don't sell the farm. Don't sell the, and then instantly he changes. And I think your experience, like a lot of people, they're skeptical. They don't believe in the, the, the unseen realms. They don't believe in aliens, Bigfoot, werewolves, ghosts, all this stuff. And then they see it. And then they're like, hang on a second. My God, what else is out there? Exactly. And it's weird you bring up Feel the Dreams. When I saw that movie, it brought back a lot of memories from, because it was around the same time. And I just took my four kids there literally a month ago to feel the dreams. And that's what I was thinking about the day that I saw that UFO with the cornfield like that. And that, and then also Ray Liotta, 
who played the first entity that they saw just passed away about two mm -hmm. or three years ago. Um, I was his personal driver one year for the Oscars. So just to have that wow. chat with him, I was taking him from Hollywood party to Hollywood party in the Hollywood Hills. Very nice guy. I tried to get him to come with me to church. It didn't happen that time around, but uh, <laughs> really nice guy. But that movie really, you know, I just think a lot of entertainment is used to warm up the masses to believing what reality they create. Yeah, it's conditioning, right? It's Yeah. And you know when the end times too, just another little thing that I've been thinking about lately, when the Lord like warns us in the end times there'll be famines, earthquakes, like birthing pains, we're Braxton Hicks stage, we're we're there. You know, like we're we're close to like the eight, we're at the eight month mark and maybe two to three weeks. And this kid's coming on time. You know, it's not gonna be late. I never thought about this before, but just doing research on geoengineering, I mean, look at how much of what the Lord talked about in the end times could actually be being caused by the very globalists that are Luciferian driven that Satan's using to try to destroy humanity. It just blows my mind. It's a whole different way of looking at it. Mm. You know, growing up as a kid, I'm thinking maybe all these famines and earthquakes and tsunamis and hurricanes and all the rest, God is bringing on his judgment. Well, it could be seen that way or, and however we want to look at that, the elites are controlling the weather at this point, and they gloat about it in videos from 40 years ago. Mm. And there is something to say about like what you were just saying about there's a genetic component to all of this, and there's a genetic component in the days of Noah. And we talk a lot about that on our show. It's kind of proving that not human beings were on, on the brink of extinction back then. You know, we almost we almost sort of lost, lost and you know, God re reset the world, but there is this, uh, you know, a lot, and we talk a lot about the book of Enoch and some of the things that were in there. And, um, supposedly these, these watchers who defiled humans were locked up for 70 generations. So how long is a generation? Are they, do they, are they getting let out? Luke, what do you, they coming back? You know, it's a Terminator. We'll find out or we won't, you know, who knows? It's, uh, <laughs> but they're doing the genetic experiments and that is something yeah. that is beyond your typical haunting, your typical demon or angel encounter. It's like, you're talking about labs, blood experiments, an advanced genome project that is hard for people to wrap their minds around. They're building an army to deceive us or fight against us. Yes. The whole transhumanism thing, every time I do that topic, these fantastic people come on and share their expertise. I look at the pictures that tries to give a visual of what the heck we're talking about. I'm like, I can't, I can't even wrap my brain around some of the stuff that these people are talking about. And and they're sometimes stuck. It's a lot like, I mean, we've talked about this before. It's a lot, it's the same temptation of the, in the garden. It's like, if you... You can upgrade. You can be like the gods. You can be. You you can have these these things. It's humanity 2.0. It, it's fascinating. I was actually having this conversation earlier today with, with a buddy about the idea of this genetic seed war that we see in the Old Testament, and then of course God thwarts all of that and 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 then redeems humanity through through Jesus. As they're trying to cut off, you know, the, the pure bloodline of humanity. Yes. It doesn't work. And then, but they shift, right? And so they haven't really stopped. It's just like, what are they doing now? And there's a lot of theories on that. Like maybe the Joel 2 army, that they're building the super army. And, and I tend to think maybe that's what's happening here. You have Nimrod and you have the Tower of Babel, which of course we know is a ziggurat. And you can almost speak to anyone on the planet with the same language. We're back to sort of, there's at least a universal language with 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 Google and, and translate and all that stuff, right? And perhaps what they're doing is is they are collecting, harvesting, and, and this is all just speculation on my part, right? But from a biblical standpoint, they're putting together an army of, of hybrids, not only to subdue and enslave humanity, as that's the Nephilim agenda, but also to 
to war with God yet again in, in, in that final battle. And you know, I think it's, eschatology is so interesting, right? I mean, everybody from, from John and Revelation thought they were in the end times, but there's so many signposts, as you talk about, of, of us being, of these things and prophecies being fulfilled that hadn't been fulfilled at the time of John. And that's a whole other rabbit hole and, and podcast, frankly, mm-hmm. to get into. But I, I do think it's interesting that these things continue and it, it feels like the veil is thinning, as Nate talked about, and there's an uptick in, in sightings. There's disclosure, you know, with the whistleblowers that we saw we saw in July and last month, these whistleblowers blowing the whistle on these, um, these, black, these black projects and these... Unelected parts, yeah, yeah. Unelected parts of our government that are that are working on on craft, right? Craft they can't saw apart in some of the same ways. Elements that you know, back to the testimony, Bob Lazar. These elements that they just, that didn't even exist yes. at the time, right? Right, but now do. It's bizarre, right? I was just gonna literally mention Bob Lazar. That when I started researching when I lived in L.A. and that whole taken those that era, I was researching nonstop. And Bob Lazar, his story, I just could not stop researching enough. I mean, file after file, file. people are like, do you sleep at night? I'm like, no, I'm doing another eight hours on Bob Lazar. Right. <laughs> well, it was Los Alamos. And they, I mean, he was taking a train with no, and buses with no, with blacked out windows, these places where, you know, and he was at a time when there was no whistleblower status. And the only way you could really protect yourself was become, by becoming a public figure, right? And, and going yeah. public. And so hiding in, in, in the spotlight. And you know, people like to, like to get after him about his credit, his, his, where he went to school and his resume, et cetera. But, it's fascinating things you talked about at the time. That's that's just now it. we're finding out these things are true. The history is now validating his testimony, which is is also another fascinating paradigm. It's unfolding in front of us. I just think Bob Lazar had that part of him that you know people like us and these shows and these truth seekers they just have it in them. There's this immense vulnerability. They can't contain it. They can't lie. And I'm sure if you're a Christian, you're going through places like Hollywood and you realize there's a lot of fakeness. There's a lot of surface level stuff. You you quickly start to realize that you can't be yourself in these situations. And I think Bob Lazar couldn't be himself. And he had to tell his friends and he started to get worried. And that vulnerability aspect won. And I think that's a quality that these people have. I just loved him too, because what he described gave me more insight or details to what we saw as kids. And I just always look at that and I ask myself, would a person want to stick their neck out to get hung by making up a wild story like that to try to get some followers? Uh, The answer is no. Social media didn't even exist back then when Bob Lazar was around. He was putting his life on the line. Um, He could have got killed for what he was sharing. So to me, by stepping foot out and sharing that, he absolutely was sharing the truth. There was another guy and it's driving me nuts that I can't remember the guy's name. Um, that's a whole nother story. I met this guy, Kenny on the streets of LA at like one 30 in the morning, really close to my apartment. And God told me, the Holy spirit told me, roll down your window and talk to the guy to your right. The guy looked like a drug dealer. He had tattoos all over his arms. He was not saying that all tattoo people are drug dealers, but he looked scary, a total bald head. And this is at one 30 in the morning. And I'm like early twenties. I'm like, I'm going to get killed. But God was very clear. It was a stoplight red. He said, roll down the window, start talking to him. I rolled down the window. I look over to Kenny and I said, Hey, God, it's going to sound nuts. He's like, Hey, what are you doing? How are you doing? I said, Great. You're going to think I'm nuts. God wants me to talk to you. I don't know why. We stopped at a gas station, talked for a couple hours. He knows about a lot of this stuff going on behind the scenes, government deal. A friend of his wrote a book. I wish I could remember the guy's name. Some about White Horse. White Horse. Um, 
Oh, he wrote a book about 20, 30 years ago. Nope. 30 years ago. Now he lived in Arizona. The government had tapped all of his phones. He wrote all about what was going on with the government with aliens, UFOs, whatever you want to call whatever was going on, all these the area 51 shenanigans, all that. And he wrote a book about it and he told his wife, don't tell anybody. I don't want to get killed over this. I might have to make it a fiction last minute. She tells her women in her Bible study group within a couple of days later, he was shot and killed outside of his uh, house because these guys were making racket and like late at night, they were um, drinking or it sounded like they were drinking. He went out to tell them to get out of there. And they purposely, they were probably with the government, were making racket to call to make him get out of his house because he hardly ever left his house because he was like just scared to leave his house and uh, was shot and killed in his driveway. And he wrote this fantastic book. It was something to do with White Horse. Um, do you guys know any kind of book I'm talking about that has White Horse in it? No. It's like it brings in no, no. revelation. I got to look this up. The point is, there's so many people that try mm. to get the word out about what was going on over the years. And I would find out about these people and find out they were killed in the line of trying to expose it. Anyway, I it's killing me. I can't remember this. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, I found it. Praise the Lord. Mm. Yes, people have got to read this book. Milton William Cooper, but he went by Bill Cooper. Behold a pale horse. Jaw dropper book. It changed my life when I read that in my early 20s when I met Kenny at 1:30 in the morning. We'll never forget. He told me about the Freemasonry in LA and how they made the streets a certain 33 degree Mason type uh, diagram. I mean, the guy was just phenomenal. Mm. But he told me about his friend William Cooper, Bill Cooper, that was shot and killed in his yard because they wanted to shut up, but he got that book out. Behold a pale horse. I was going to say, I thought it was a pale horse. I was going to say, that's like a revelation. Wow, to that book. Wow. Mm. Or the beginning of Tombstone, Nate. Yeah. He's like, he's talking about a sick horse or something. He's like, your Spanish is worse than your English. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we could do a lot of of movie quotes here today. It's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. This book is about information that kept in top secret government files since the 1940s. His audiences hear the truth unfold as he writes about the assassination of John F. Kennedy, Kennedy, the war on drugs, the secret government, UFOs. Hmm. And he was shot and killed. Hmm. But he talked wow. all over the place, did a ton of presentations and spoke, 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 and they kept warning him. And he's like, I don't care what you guys are talking about. We're going to try to stop me. I'm going to keep getting the word out there. Excellent book. Mm. I want to pick it up now and read it again. Yeah. Even late at night. I'm nuts. I like reading scary stuff right before going to bed. <laughs> just just helps, you, helps you relax <laughs> exactly. before you go to sleep, right? <laughs> <laughs> helps answer some questions. <laughs> I like your energy and your willingness to dive in and, and, and put it all into, into good use because I think sometimes when you're submersed in this stuff, it can kind of drive you crazy. I'm editing this stuff all day long. Luke and I are doing three or four interviews a week. And it's just like, you come out of these things and your kids are just like asking for, you know, let's go to the bounce place. And you're just like, <laughs> it's hard to like switch gears and go back to normal life. Yes. In some ways, you know, you understand like in the matrix, you just put me back in. I don't want to know what I know. And yes, but there's something about a Christian who, if you follow the data, if you really want to know, you, you can't really lean on your own understanding. You have to just trust God that he's going to guide you the right way. And you can't believe everything you hear, but more of it seems true than, than, than less in these spaces. And I don't know what the recipe is. I don't know how, because some people get down some really weird rabbit holes and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how important that is or whatever, but it's just, a, it's a weird recipe to, 
to plow through all this information and make sense of I, it. I hear you. I don't know if you share some of this stuff with your kids or how old your kids are. I homeschool my kids 14 down to 10. I've got four. I'm just now getting my brain back after having the last kid. Hmm. Um, love the kids to pieces, but they they know about a lot of this stuff because they ask, you know, about a lot of questions about this stuff. And I don't yeah. well, my kid, my kid today. <laughs> I found this, I found this in my car. Oh, no. oh you can't see oh, it. There it is. It's an alien <laughs> on the moon. Oh my gosh. There's a Loch Ness monster and there's Bigfoot in the woods. <laughs> there's a UFO here. There's just a lot that it's like, yeah, do you want to go down there or not? I, I always kind of look at who is saying what, and if we know the who behind the info that's being dished i'll yeah. know right away for the most part they want to kill us or know that might actually be accurate and i used to say nothing else is going to shock me anymore and then i find out about you too and i'm like no you know forget that comment <laughs> yeah i think i think luke and i have found that there are there are very clever psyops to keep us you get obsessed with figuring out some unsolvable thing that nobody knows <laughs> But I think there's way more data. You know, we have a lot of data on UFOs. We have a lot of da data on Bigfoot. We have a lot of data on alien beings and underground military bases and things like this. And I think sometimes we can get obsessive. And, and the obsessive part of you can take over. And then all of a sudden, you've created this weird cult of following where you're no longer driven by the data. You're driven by your own you know, your own personal belief that you've figured out. And your narrative, yeah. you're crafted a narrative that you, and you want to, you work backwards on everything to make sure it supports that narrative. And I, and I think that's, if you're it's looking dangerous. for the, if you're, yeah, it's dangerous, if you're looking for yep. the truth, then keep your mind you're looking open. for the truth, right? right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I think that's why I think all these things are so important, right? I mean, all the data Nate talks about the vast majority is anecdotal, right? But as Mike Heiser famously said, if one of those stories is true, your story is true. For example, you have to figure out a way. You know, you have to figure out a way to contextualize that within your own your own paradigm. And we come from a place of being believers, and and our you know our lens is the Bible. Yes. And so this whole show is really just about really it's about that. How do we take all the weird stuff and how do we contextualize, understand, talk about, think about the things that are now becoming mainstream talking points? And you know, at this day and age. You know how do you how do you how do you fit that in into your worldview if if you're a Christian and 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 the it's not shouldn't be shocking but I think it is to a lot of people that by God it's it's big enough you know it's big enough to to explain and to contextualize a lot of these things whether it be a UFO experience like your own or a Bigfoot encounter you can at least come with educated answers because we don't know until they drag a body out until you until you. <laughs> As we famously said, until a UFO lands on the White House lawn. Now, I wouldn't believe anything they said now, but that's always the saying, right? And until it lands on the White House lawn, and we want to know what these things are. But I do think a lot of these topics, they're all not only all connected, but they're all probably going to be part of what what is what is the great delusion, right? We talk about the uh, towards towards the the end. They're all going to play a role. I don't know about Bigfoot as much, but he's in there somewhere doing something, yeah. right? But you have these these things that don't disqualify our faith. In fact, we live in a very much of real supernatural paradigm if you want to use that word mm -hmm. as christians right we believe in a lot of amazing and fantastic things that when god has intervened into this creation into the story of humanity and you know I, I think it's so cool what you're doing i love how these concentric circles overlap right because the things you're talking about you talk about hollywood and and they, they all fit into what we talk about too and i think of richie the barber nate when when she's talking about her hollywood stories and things that richie told us about you know he was in hollywood much much more recently but it sounds very much the same Right, you got cannibalism. You have occult yes. practices. You've got you got high Luciferianism. Mm -hmm. It's happening in these in these circles, and and it's massive. It doesn't change. No, nothing nothing is new in that sense, and yet mm -hmm. it's very shocking 
for a lot of people to to digest because it's much easier to put your head in the sand and believe that that man the government we should believe the government's telling us right they have their our best interest in 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 mind and you know if we don't think about this stuff we don't have to worry about it and maybe that's been the case for a while but these things a lot of these things have come knocking on our front doors whether we like it or not absolutely mm-hmm. i think a lot more people are searching right now too i mean i've had I don't know if the three of us and, and other people that we know are magnets for this. It's not as though I personally am looking for this, but I mm. I would rather have stuff that happens where I could digest and understand even more what is going on around us than to not. And I think anybody out there listening to this, if they're like, well, nothing weird has ever happened to me and I would really like that to happen. I All I would say is throughout my life since walking with the Lord at the age of 16, right now actually marks 30 years. It's kind of nuts. Uh, 30 years this month, September. Wow placing my faith in the Lord. I remember walking to the front of church, Interfaith Fellowship in Green Bay, and I said, Lord, I'm willing to take a bullet for the cause. As I was walking to the front, I said, I'd rather know the truth, even though it might be nuts, hard for me to understand, a lot of details, exposing the evil, whatever the case is, I'd rather know than not know and be led astray, where when he comes back, we're saying, Lord, Lord, and he's like, depart from me, I never knew you. I didn't want that to be me. And anyone seeking the Lord, he will absolutely show you in ways you least expect what is currently going on. I mean- I've had a wide range of stuff, including a demon that literally tried to kill me that had its hands or something like it was had a grip on my steering wheel on the way to a speaking event, try to steer me into a semi. I've gone through a lot of weird things in my past, a knife robber in my home that tried to wipe me out with my four kids and a friend of mine and her four kids. Wow! So by seeing all this stuff and living through it, I know God's not done with any of us yet that are- That's right got a calling to expose this, talk about it, and help lead people to the Lord. There's so many questions that are out there that pastors today are just not addressing. And honestly, walking sure. with the Lord is exciting if we seek the Lord. Yeah. You're not bored. I mean, the story of this, the story that we all find ourselves in is, is crazy. If you think about what this all is, I mean, what we're a part of, just God's creation and the, and the number of species on this planet and all the things we know, we sort of fall asleep at some point. And I think that's Satan's design is to get us all into this just malaise. And I think people like us are just, we're curious, but we also don't buy that. I mean, the creativity of God doesn't just go away. It just doesn't stop. And his interactions with humans, he cares Mm -hmm. and he loves us. And there's so much more. This is not a boring story. And I think people say, oh, you're just, you're just searching for that sensationalism. You're just searching for that hot. I'm like, no, I think all of this is crazy everything we are you know all of it is crazy like why do you accept such a boring origin story of humans and a boring you know everything is just rational explanation for everything it's like even the way your mind works don't you understand like you're rationalizing right now like isn't that a miracle in itself But yeah, I mean, but on our show, we just find the weird stuff and we sort of package it with the 80s flair and we, mm, that's right. I love it. we put it out in the world. I love it. And it's, it's, it's connecting and, and obviously, you know, we connected through Tim Alberino, which is trying to put some practicality in people's minds of like, you know, what if these beings are just as physical as you and I? Why is that so hard to accept? And we have such a uh, sort of medieval angels are these chubby little things that float, float around and fly around. They don't. They don't make things. They certainly couldn't breed with women. And you're crazy if you believe any of that stuff. But we find evidence of all this. And we're like, maybe maybe there's more to the physicality part of the heavenly realm than we want to admit. I, I hear you. There's a, a verse in the New Testament that talks about that we might be entertaining angels without knowing it. And I'm like, 
like literally that might be what we're doing. I I'm telling you, we could do a whole other podcast of two angel run-in <laughs> stories that I've got. Yeah. We'll do it. Anna we'll Deacon. do it. Let's do it. I, I mean, I was just, I was just saying this to you, like you've done a bunch of these little like uh, ancillary stories, and I'm like, that's a, that's a show, and so is this, so is that. <laughs> it's just nuts. Well, I mean, we've had lots of guests on multiple times, and I really enjoyed this conversation. So we can do it again whenever you want. We're trying to figure out this, and I know that it, each each podcast episode could be. We try to keep it episodic towards a theme. So oh, sure. yeah, I hear you. But for Tina, because because you know, we're familiar with your work, but I know that perhaps some of our listeners are not so i would love to give the opportunity to talk about your show what you're doing you know what, what the things you're trying to uncover uh expose and, and share and share that and share where they can find yeah and interact with you because you have a great you have a great platform you have a really really cool message and what what you do but i'll let you talk about that and i won't oh yeah no thank you for that um the the yeah. best place to go to is our website. It's counterculturemom.com, counterculturemom.com. There's a wide gamut of topics from a couple of weeks ago, we did HARP and the directed energy weapons. And interestingly enough, I think that's exactly what happened in Maui with the so-called fires. I think they were set mm. on purpose to start the 15-minute cities that they're trying to get to for Agenda 2030. We talk a lot about health topics, shots, jabs, anything COVID-related, 5G. I go down that whole path. There's a lot of info I have in my head and research and video footage to validate my major concern of what's coming out. You can't tell us that a pandemic is coming out soon again unless you're the cohort that's causing it. Um, but why are they doing it? You know, I talk about depopulation and not to do it in a scary tactic, fear-based manner. The information that God gave our team of over 20 people is to help pound the pavement for the end times to be used fully by him with a healthy immune system, a clear conscience, working as a family unit to cross that finish line well. But we also talk about cyberbullying. We talk about um, school choice and the corruption with that. I'm trying to think of some mRNA and food. We have a whole series coming up, geoengineering, homeschooling, kids that are doing great things for the Lord. So we had uh, an entrepreneurial type theme with young kids, 12, 13, 14 years old, starting businesses. So it's not just doom and gloom with Jesus, of course, winning in the end, but we do a lot of topics to help encourage the families and raise their kids in a God-centered environment, answering a ton of questions Boom. that churches today just are not answering. Uh, for a whole host of reasons that's a whole nother show but mm -hmm. we care deeply for kids for families we want to expose the culprits for sex trafficking and we always give back so we allow our guests to come on the program and talk about what's happened to them or what ministry they started so other people can donate towards their causes so we can once again finish the race well with the time we've got left which i don't think we have much time left <laughs> but counter counterculturemom.com is a website we yeah. have an app counterculture mom app that's a mm. must it's five bucks a month. We blast to the masses insight and inside info from the Hollywood Hills that I still have a team of people out there sending me dirt ahead of time so we can let parents know what you want to run from for entertainment for your kids. And it's not even considered entertainment and the positive stuff that's out there. So from video games, TV shows, websites, apps, social media info, film, all of that, we pump to pound out to the masses the good stuff you want to grab for your kids and the stuff you want to run from and it's all in that counterculture mom app with like 100 affiliates and a bunch of great discounts parents love you it. do all wait, you do all this with four kids and and homeschooling wow this is impressive i have a it's team of 20 people i i that's why i wear hats i i lost half of my hair in the process but i still want to cross that finish line but 
We have a team of 20 and they do such a phenomenal job and it's scary, but a lot of them, <laughs> we, we think alike to a point where I'm like, we haven't been cloned, right? We're, we're not cloned. Because <laughs> 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 we're anti-clone around here. But parents can download the app. They can check out our show at counterculturemom.com. We do four episodes every week on a different topic and it's a perfect puzzle we put together. And we're on 600 radio stations each week, AFR, CSN, and uh, about 40 other platforms, podcasts and 20 different TV platforms. So we're trying to get this out to the masses to uh, save as many lives as possible. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, you've been busy. I remember you just went, you just went on tour, and then thank you for making time for us today because I know yeah. we kind of botched up. This is a treat. You guys rock. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks a lot for today. Was well. It was fun. Good to see you again. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Keep me posted. When this right. airs, let me know. We'll, we'll post it out there. Okay. Sweet. All right. Yeah. Talk okay. to you guys soon. All right. All right. Good to see you, too. Bye. Bye. Bye.